What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. This is Dr. Mari Sakasa, and truly grateful to have this episode to be able to share with you today. Okay, well, this conversation comes up often within my counseling practice. Do we all have wounds? And if so, what do we do about them? I'm actually in the camp that doesn't think that we all have wounds and thinks that we don't have learned behaviors of environmental situations that happen in our upbringing. That distinction is important, and we're going to talk about that in today's episode. So joining me on the call today is my good friend, Dr. Tom Neal, who is an expert in the spiritual life. And we love to be able to have these conversations about the ways that we should pray. And so in today's episode, we really begin this discussion about how to be able to pray about ourselves and not get caught into the self-absorption, how to not get lost within ourselves, and also how to be able to pray about our past in a way that leads us towards virtue and human flourishing. You're going to love this discussion. It's really beautiful. And we just scratched the surface on talking about this um, about wounds and about prayer and how to integrate both appropriately. So if this show is helpful to you, please share with your friends. Leave a, a rating, write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, or hit me up on the socials at Dr. Mario Sacasa. But let's get into this conversation about healing prayer with Dr. Tom Neal. Neil, welcome back to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you? Dr. Mario, I can't <laughs> believe it's been so long Has since it? we've been on together. It's when so was the last time we was wonderful. We did the anxiety one? I was mean, it, that wasn't our last one, was it? No, we no, didn't. No, it wasn't no, the anxiety. The how not to discern one was the one that we did. That's it? Yeah. So uh, I guess I think that was, was that last fall? I mean. I, I think so. It was probably a year. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost a year ago or so. Yeah. Yeah, I had yes. this, this little move to North Carolina kind of in between all that. So, you know, you did. Happy. I know. I'm sure. Did. Although your background traveled perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's <laughs> all fake. It just, it's it's all fake. It's, it's all fake. <laughs> the green screen behind you. <laughs> yes. Really good. It's well, actually my, my... a backpack I just carry with me all the time so I can be ready for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this mine here, this is as creative as I get is my NDS for Notre Dame <laughs> Seminary and my books. <laughs> my wife. My white little uh, blind behind me, so uh, very good. boring. It looks good. So sorry about that. It looks good. It all looks good. Well, I'm always grateful for our time. Always grateful, and always feel that we're rushed and never have enough time to talk. <laughs> what, what, what we do. Um, so we're just gonna just kind of hit this. You know, I, I think as I've been, cons- I always want to have you on the show. Like every, like I've said before, you know, as, as regular as I can get you. You know, which one Thank once you. a year is isn't sufficient for me. So we always got to do more than that. But you, you are an expert in the spiritual life, an expert in prayer, um, at least, you know, in what the church teaches to pray. Not confused. Dear God. <laughs> at least what the church communicates. You know, we'll, we'll put that caveat out there for sure. There you go. You know, as, That's an, it. as an academic theologian, you got that right. Um, and so I think what I want to talk about for today is, is we, we did that one episode on like how not to discern. Maybe we can kind of call this one like how not to pray. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. Maybe it's being too harsh. Via negativa. The via negativa. Why not? We've yes. got a couple of the positive stuff. So let's kind of go into this. You know, well, some of the questions that I'm, that I'm thinking about is some people in it. I know when we talk about prayer, like and you graciously read an article that I'm kind of working on, you know, for uh, related to yeah. prayer and in marriage. Excellent. And as the church kind of divvies up the different kind of, I don't know, categories of prayer. Um, sure. You know, it says that there's, of course, prayers of thanksgiving, uh, prayers of intercession, prayers of petition, uh, prayers of praise. 
um, you know, and the fifth one is is eluding me right now. This is what happens when I go off the cuff and don't look at my notes. But, oh, but that raise <laughs> blessing. Yes, yes. Thanksgiving. Um, um, I always want to say <laughs> repentance, but that's part of it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, my my point is that you know when, when we speak about prayer, there's a different modes of prayer that we can be praying for a whole host of different things. Whether sure. it's praying for ourselves, or praying for family members, praying for our past, or praying for our future. And at times, I think we can overcomplicate this, or maybe people feel that maybe they, they don't really have permission or don't know what they should be praying for. Mm. And and it can go, so when we're thinking about like when you're praying about struggles that you have in your own life, mm. um, I've heard people say sometimes that they feel guilty about praying about those things. But I'm like, no, but it's good. Like you, like God wants us to offer our circumstances to him. He wants us to bring sure. what our concerns are to him, of course. So that sense of, of, course. of inner, of, of petitions that we want to be able to offer these petitions to the Lord. But maybe in my case, sometimes I do find that maybe I find, like I find myself praying for, for me and my own kind of maybe sometimes a little bit too much. And so how do I navigate my own ego in, in, oh, in prayer, sure. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. wanting to find kind of what the balance is between praying certainly for the things that God has entrusted me, you know, to be in my domain and that I have a priestly responsibility to offer these things to the Lord, but then also trying to maintain a, a, a spirit of generosity, even in my own prayer life and trying to be open and attentive to the circumstances that are around me. I don't know. Oh, sure. Sense. Yeah, of course it makes sense. No, it's excellent. Uh, so and I think the kind of language you're using here um, makes me think of the form of prayer. So the forms of prayer we we're talking about earlier that you wrote your beautiful article on, which I look forward to being published, uh, is, is petitionary or intercessory prayer, right? Where we think about um, seeking, asking, and knocking, as Jesus says, uh, before the face of God and asking him for what we need or asking him for insight or asking him for whatever gift we are looking for or uh, what we need or others need. So yeah, intercessory prayer is, is, is incredibly important. And I think the most important principle of prayer, very, it's very kind of, I guess, basic and, and obvious, is that prayer, first and foremost, is about God and not about ourselves, right? In other words, the orientation of prayer is, is Godward, um, is oriented toward him, um, both as the giver of all good gifts, the giver of everything, the giver of my existence, the giver of, uh, of, of anything I can consider in prayer has come from him. And then that all the things that are part of that life that I live and bring into my prayer are, will all one day return back to him, right? So, um, so that, that's the, the movement of all of life is everything comes from him and everything returns to him. And so when I think about prayer in that way, that prayer is fundamentally about my orienting myself toward God and then turning all the things of my own self or life or ego and all the things of other people in my world and their concerns and their fears or whatever it is, that the orientation of all those things ultimately is toward him um, in one way or another. I guess if you keep that focus in your prayer that it's fundamentally about him in that sense, then that helps the process right from the start, as opposed to thinking of the prayer of prayer as just, you know, kind of self-reflection, self-examination, thinking about yourself and your world, and then somehow turning that into uh, something to pose to God. Whereas if you begin with him, it takes the orientation off of yourself first and then toward him. So I guess that's the that's the the, the kind of 
first thing I'd say, and which is why the fundamental posture in prayer that we should take before God that precedes everything else is thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. is gratitude before him. Even before petition is gratitude. Uh, Again, going back to this idea that the very first movement is everything comes forth from God. Everything is a pure gift and it begins there. So I begin with gratitude. I begin with thanksgiving for whatever it is that um, I'm considering, whatever I'm thinking about. And then I can turn that toward, well, what now out of this, whatever it is I'm considering, what in there do I need? What do I seek? What am I asking for? But it begins with a spirit of of gratitude first. Uh, I think that is the orientation of the mind that can keep you out of the self-absorption that can consume your prayer with your own concerns. Um, the second consideration, I guess I'd say responding to what you said is, you know, praying about yourself and your life and your concerns um, is, is, is essential because, well, the one praying is you. And, and, and you are really, in many ways, you could say that you are the primary goal of what prayer is about, is to, is to change you, is to make you into a certain kind of person. So bringing your own concerns to God is precisely what he wants us to do. But one of the things that you become in prayer when you bring your things to God and you, you bring yourself to him and ask him to act in your life one of the things that you quickly realize that he does is he extends your vision outside to other people, to others. Um, he makes you concerned for the well-being of others. He uh, brings to mind um, the needs of others that, that, that he wants you to be part of assisting. Um, if that makes any sense. You know what, Mario, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop right here. You know, I'm going to stop right here because <laughs> you're doing great. My mind was not quite prepared for that question. Well, <laughs> you did a great job. So, Thank you. No, no, no. So let me just recap. Thank you for stopping, but you did a wonderful job. So focusing first and foremost on, on the, the, the focus of prayer is, is on God always. And, mm-hmm. and, and so there's an otherness uh, to him and an otherness that we're supposed to be exploring. And so the, the life, the Christian journey is a total abandonment to that otherness, to that mystery that is God. And prayer is the, the communicative aspect of this, that there's action certainly that we take, but in terms of trying to genuinely be in dialogue with this other being, this other person, this other entity, this God, God, Jesus, our, our Lord, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to, to be able to, to give our lives to that, is the decision of faith, but it's it's our commitment and prayer that allows us to be able to actualize and to genuinely explore that. And so mm-hmm. what that means is then that we first start with a posture of thanksgiving and, and recognizing that everything's pure gift. Um, and then from that also, we recognize then that that the things that, the, the because we are not omnipotent or omnipresent, that we are bound in time and space to the time and space that we're bound to. That makes sense. But like, and so, so it does. So, so I hate when people do that. You know, it's like, did I say anything coherent? I just repeated myself. Just backwards. But like, so like, but just, but just recognizing that, that, that space 
that God has us, um, he wants us there. Because I know we talked about this in one of our previous episodes about prayer, about being able to consecrate then the world that God invites us to. And so then through prayer, we, we are called to then consecrate those things. Now, when it comes to our own ego and our own kind of sense of self, you know, it, it does, as, as we turn it over to the Lord, there's an element of it that does, as you, I guess you're kind of alluding to expanding it, her, it, it expands a little bit. It's, it's not, it's, and this is kind of complicated because it's, it's not an obliteration of the self, it's a perfection of the self. And so right. what we bring certainly is there that needs to be brought forth to the Lord. But there's constantly this purification of desire and a purification of our soul that's happening on this journey towards heaven. And that purification, what it does is that it makes the otherness of God a little bit clearer to see. You know, that mm. sin or selfishness serves as as kind of spots on the windshield that as we're kind of moving through the car wash of, of, of temporal reality, you know, as we get to the other side of heaven, <laughs> not even in a passive sense, but of course, actively through this whole thing, that sure. the cleansing that happens and the purifying that happens um, is is part of the process um, as God is guiding us towards him. Um, and so that's, that is, in, in a nutshell, the Christian journey that I would say it's not only in, in an other sense, but it's also in a future sense, you know, that mm-hmm. we certainly we bring, we bring forth our past and in, in, in our failures and our longings, um, excuse me, our, long, our failures and our longings too, but, but, we're, but we're moving towards something, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're moving forward in a direction that God is guiding us. And, uh, and so I think that, that, I think what you said was, was, was right on, you know, that we need to, and this is always tricky language to kind of capture is, you know, we, we die to ourselves, as Jesus says, uh, you know, those who, 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 who are last are first, those who, 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 who lose themselves, find themselves. But again, it's not this obliteration. It's that this, this, this uh, perfection happens through, through those deaths and through those sufferings and through those experiences Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that God invites us to, to bring to him in prayer um, but not for a way to just get stuck in our own egos. And this is what I was saying earlier is that I think that sometimes it can be easy to confuse. And this is where I know people get, get comp- you know, most scrupulosity sometimes gets in the role of this or some other kind of other poor spiritual practice can get in the way of this, where we, we, we need to be testing our desires, but not being afraid of them either. Right? Like that's, that's the place where there's kind of a complication, you know, in this sure. that we move forward and pay attention to the surrounding kind of signs that are happening, but not just kind of, um, uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, <laughs> you know, Yeah. but, but not yep. just getting lost within ourselves either. No, that I think, I think that's right. And you know what it made me think of, and you beautiful, it's a beautiful description of, of, of what I was getting at there. Thank you for kind of pulling it back down to the way you did, which is that, that the God word focus of prayer allows prayer to become um, that place where God can lead us along, right? Can, through, as you said, through that, that purification process, that transformation process, that, that expanding of our vision outward, um, that death to self, all of those things. I mean, those are all his action, his agency, his vision for who we're to be, right? Because he, he created us with a vision of who we are to be. Um, he gave us gifts that he implanted in us for a particular reason. And, and as much as we keep our prayer on him, on what he wants, on his will, uh, then he can be free to open up those things he's put in us to to lead us into the fullness of the person he's made us to be. 
um, which as we discover, the more we submit ourselves to him, the more we focus on him, the more we realize that we flourish. It's a beautiful nature of love is that our focus on God is not God being, you know, um, egocentric, wanting sycophants around him who just pay attention to him all the time. So he feeds his desire to, you know, to have attention, but that when we orient ourselves rightly to him, which is what prayer is, it's rightly orienting your entire self, your affections, your memories, your feelings, your desires, your body, everything, that when we orient ourselves rightly toward him, then we find ourselves becoming everything we were made to be, which means finding ourselves flourishing and free and, and liberated from the things that bind us and, and, and able to reach the potential that we have. So it's, it's beautifully liberating, but it makes me think when you said not to be afraid of our desires, right, in prayer and not be afraid of, of bringing who we are, the full reality of who we are, imperfect us, not just the one we wish we were before God. Like, you know, uh, God doesn't want us to bring our perfect selves before him because it's not us. He wants us to bring our whole selves before him, which is a complex mixture. Anyway, so bringing that to God makes me think of... Uh, this beautiful lecture that a uh, Yale professor, Dennis Turner, gave years ago here on St. Thomas Aquinas' commentary on Jesus' agony in the garden. And he points out that one of the things that Aquinas set, notes is that Jesus in the agony says, Father, let this cup pass from me, or take this cup from me, right? Let this cup pass um, from me. In other words, that I don't have to endure the passion. And it's a stunning petition if you think about it it's a stunning petition because here's jesus the same jesus who predicted three times in the gospels of matthew mark and luke three times he predicted his upcoming death and then when peter rebuked him once jesus called peter satan for rebuking the way of the cross now here's that same jesus who just hours before uh at the last supper offered himself under the form of bread and wine in the passover sacrifice is now asking for this to be passed by him and it's a remarkable moment. It's it's and it's a moment of, you might say, the final temptation, the the temptation whether or not to embrace the cross or not. Which of course Jesus, although Jesus is tempted in every way and tested in every way, we are he never sins, but he feels the pull of it. And he, and so what Aquinas says is that in a sense Jesus manifests this weakness, this fear as he re, re, kind of pulls back away from the passion in this moment in his agony and his sweating blood um as i called it that one time a, a cosmic anxiety attack right that god himself suffered one uh, and showed us then what to do with that so he allows himself to express his weakness to the father and even ask for the fulfillment of his weakness but then he consummates it with the words but not my will but your will be done right not afraid to bring his fear not afraid to bring his revulsion not afraid to bring his his weakness into this moment to the father, hmm. but, but surrendering it to the father. And there's something, uh, so that lecture just blew my mind because I thought that's, that's extraordinary. What a, a way to think about temptation is not that we hide our temptations or weaknesses from God and try to push them down so that he doesn't, you know, see them. Um, but that we bring them before him in the fullest way, exposing them to him Amen. in our prayer uh, and even articulating them to him and then and then surrendering that ultimately to what his will is and then we allow him to do what he will do which is Jesus's crucifixion is his purgation is his complete purification where he's made 
perfect in obedience through suffering, Amen. but only after he had exposed that to the Father. So, okay, so I'll, I'm going to keep riffing off what you just said. So the readings for today um, have us reading Job at the beginning. And so at the end, this is Job uh, chapter 1, verses 6 to 22. So I'm assuming this verse right here is 22. Mm -hmm. After everything has been taken from Job and all the bad things have, have happened to him, the final line here that the the that we are left with is, in all this, Job did not sin, nor did he say anything disrespectful of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's the line right there that speaks to mm -hmm. Job's character. You think about, and, and, and I'm speaking of myself too, you know, when we get, when we get anxious, or when we get under a lot of stress or when things aren't, aren't going our way, what coping skills, what coping mechanisms do we turn to? Mm -hmm. You know, many of them are probably sinful. You know what I mean? Like yes. I think about when I work with men who are, who are struggling with addictions, the, 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 the greatest crime of an addiction is that it prevents somebody to it prevents somebody the ability to develop resiliency, because mm -hmm. when you have an addiction, you always have that go to kind of lever to to go to to deal with the dope to get the dopamine to deal with the to deal with the stress, but it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't it, it doesn't create resilience it doesn't create um, tenacity it doesn't foster grit it doesn't create the it's short shortcuts your capacity to be able to deal with mm -hmm. life's struggles uh, when you fall when you fall into an addiction. So there's a certain immaturity that happens there. And the second thing is also then when you think about um, depression or anxiety, things that we've talked about before. And again, this is a no judgment, but I understand that in the early church writers, the spiritual writers, you know, when talked about the eight capital uh, vices, or even before then it was, you know, the eight principal thoughts or these things that were obsessing us when we talked that slothfulness, one early version of slothfulness was, was the sin of kind of melancholy, you know, the sense of like, not that not that being depressed is a sin in itself, mm -hmm. but you can but one who has worked with people who are depressed, you can see that what happens in depression is this incredible inwardness because you are so triggered, mm -hmm. you are you are in such defensiveness, and understandably so. Your the fight or flight mechanisms is so engaged that you cannot see beyond just what you're experiencing, and everything is about self preservation, which means everything is just about yourself. Um, which makes which makes an other oriented life difficult um, because because of 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 this you know um, intense uh, the pressure that one's experiencing. Yes. So so being mindful of that, you know, again, no judgment. Anybody who struggles with it, I, I, believe me, I we very open about uh, anxiety and depression. Those things, I understand. You know, getting help certainly in, in the appropriate way. But back to back to Job here. He says, "In all this, Job did not sin, nor did he say anything disrespectful of God." Again, similar in that regard. That sometimes when we 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 can get frustrated, and again, God's a God's a big boy. You know, God can take it for sure. You know, but but at the same time, you know, caution and making sure that we don't blaspheme even in those moments. You know, and so all of this this constant dialogue of you know, even in temptation, bringing these temptations before the Lord, even in my own sinfulness and my own struggles, bringing those things before the Lord, even in, in my own depression or anxiety that I may be experiencing, bringing all of that before the Lord, that in this, this, that, that, that through prayer, again, not just this, this, this rote kind of superficial prayer, but through the life of prayer, that the transformation begins to happen. And mm -hmm. slowly over the course of time, we start seeing things and we start learning how to hear God's voice and we start seeing kind of ways that we can kind of move and dance with him as, as we mm. continue to journey over the course of our life. Because, 
I believe that when we do grow in prayer, we do grow in our capacity to hear God and to, to listen to him and in, at an interior space. You know, it's, I'm glad you brought up the Job example, which is perfect, by the way. So thank you for, for well, you, linking you, you that. You brought up Jesus in the garden. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's Job, Job's the precursor in many ways. He's know? the precursor. He is. And you made it beautifully, though, that it's in, with the text today from the liturgy uh, there. And that and that incredible ending there where you see that Job, the righteous one, right, that God points out to Satan at the beginning of Job is, you know, have you seen my righteous servant there? And he proves himself that way. But then what's beautiful is after that moment where he says nothing, he doesn't sin and he says nothing against God. And of course, he says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. This this total surrender or resignation or whatever you want to call it. It just it's remarkable. And then for the next however many chapters, Job, Job begins to pour out his lament. Mm-hmm. First to his friends. Well, first, he spends seven days of silence in ashes with his friends, which is beautiful. Seven days of silence together. They don't speak at all. Uh, because the evils that he suffered are unspeakable. Hmm. And so seven days of grieving. But then he goes on for chapter after chapter of lamenting before God and even complaining to God about all the things that have happened. I mean, and his friends, of course, give him advice and say, you know, it must be your fault. You must have done something wrong, you know, and so forth. But but Job is able to turn his laments Godward in prayer now, um, not toward his friends. He turns from his friends now to God and voices his complaint to God. And then, of course, God comes back at him with quite an extraordinary litany himself um, as he asks Job essentially to trust him. You know, do you, were you there when I laid the heavens, when I laid the foundations of the heavens? Were you there when I, you know, filled the seas with, with, with fish? Were you there when I did all these things at the beginning? And the answer, of course, is no. And God isn't just trying to shame him saying, you know, you're not as smart as me. He's saying, you can't see things the way I see them. Um, and then at the end of all of that, Job says, um, I repent in, 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 I repent of all that I've said um, and uh, puts his face to the ground and says, before I only heard of you from others, but now I have seen you face to face and I disown mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. which means that prayer finally allowed him to bring all his pain and lament to God and allow God to receive it. Uh, and, and return it back to him as a call to trust, as an invitation to trust. And now Job can operate instead out of a, 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 a lens of fear or anger or confusion, now can operate out of a, through, by seeing the world through a lens of trust and surrender, and that God is working in his providence, good things uh, in all of the evil that he suffered. Um, so so his, his Godward orientation of his lament He's allowed to lament. He's allowed to complain. He's allowed to bring all this to God with the posture of prayer, with the anticipation that he will receive whatever God has to say back to him, which God gladly does. Uh, And then that brings him to this entirely new way of seeing everything. Amen. All right, everybody, this is Dr. Mario. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Dr. Tom Neal because I know that you are all asking a question right now. And that question is, 
How can I be better at dating? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> uh, it's probably a question you are not at all thinking related to this conversation about prayer and about, about healing prayer specifically. But if you're thinking about it now, well, then I'm happy to offer to you my program called Dating Well, 19 video lessons together with questions and reflections and exercises to help you get back on track. You want to level up your love life? Well, check out Dating Well. We take you by the hand and walk you through all the nooks and crannies of dating to be able to help you discern and to grow and to learn more about yourself as you're engaging in the dating process. If you want to check out the program, go to faithinmarriage.org and click on the link. Go ahead and look at episode three. It is available for free, available for you on the website. Check it out. If you like episode three, lesson three, I should say, then you're going to love the whole program. Check out Dating Well, and God bless you. Let's get back to this conversation with Dr. Tom Neal. So I I guess, honestly, what I'm thinking about right now is... um, something that we've talked about repeatedly or many times off offline. Um, but how does this relate with kind of this wounds language that seems to be popular within the church today? Like that Mm. word doesn't, doesn't, doesn't come out of Job's mouth. Um, that word isn't really found outside of the wounds of Christ. It isn't, isn't really spoken about in kind of this, I have a wound, you know, type of language. Um, how do we reconcile that? Like what, like what, what are your thoughts about this, Tom? That's a, it's, that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think certainly in scripture, uh, the language that's used whenever, uh, anyone, for example, in the old Testament suffers some evil, um, is a turning to God, um, in belief that God is the God of justice, the God of mercy, the God who is slow to anger, rich in compassion, and that whatever evils befall us, whatever hardships befall us, whatever catastrophes befall us, whatever things happen to us that, that are unjust, um, uh, that those things can be brought to God. Um, for God to intervene and to redeem and to repair and to save and to and to heal um but but the perspective is never simply on the self it's never just on the ego it's to see any anything that ever happens is to see it in the larger context of life in the larger context of a family or a nation or a people um or of the covenant as a whole the relationship with god whereas at least at first blush, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, that the wounds language tends to be so deeply subjective and and focused on the individual ego to the exclusion of a much larger picture of reality and a much larger picture of the fact that, that, you know, scripture in a sense is a story of people who find uh, redemption in, in what we call holiness or greatness or righteousness in the midst of a deeply broken world that brokenness is the feature of this world the valley of tears this is the way it is um so all of creation is wounded Mm -hmm. the whole of creation is wounded you know original sin uh you know inflicts uh, 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 the wound of the darkened intellect as saint thomas aquinas would say our intellects are darkened we can't see things clearly we can't understand things clearly we understand things only in a confused way. 
uh, until our thinking is purified and, and cleansed um, by Christ's teaching, by the teaching of the church, by our life of prayer and, and so forth. And then our wills are weakened, right? Where our wills are weakened, we, what we want to do, we, we struggle to have the capacity to do. We, we do what we don't want to do, right? The, we have a tendency towards sin kind of built into us. So, so I guess the wounds language that I often hear, at least I often hear, uh, Dr. Mario, is, is, is so intensely self-focused apart from the larger contexts in which they find a larger meaning. Um, and, and also, I guess, realizing that quote-unquote wounds or the brokenness of things in the world uh, are not necessarily just obstacles to be overcome, but the very means by which we discover ourselves and our humanity and its fullness uh, and how we can grow from those, through those, in those, and not just to rid ourselves of them so we're in a, in a woundless world, um, but rather to realize that this is the, you know, the, 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 the nature of, of reality. Anyway, that's a, that's a first blush response. I'd love to hear your thoughts back. Yeah, no, I appreciate what you're saying. And I, and I know we're kind of stepping into some some territory here where you know people might have some objections to these things. And I think it's more a question of, of again, of languages is in, in focus. I, I think that as we've been trying to talk about, you know, the balance of the, uh, the, the me and the we in the relationship with God, you know, that, it, that it isn't just all him. Um, although everything is of him, including my own capacities, but those capacities that he's given to me are, are freely given. And so I, I can freely choose or not choose. And so there's always this relationship between my own sense of self and agency and, and responding to, to God's movements. That I, I find that the wounds language, um, I think it's a question of focus for me, really, more than anything else. That I think at times what it does is that it creates this focus where... Um, well, I think it's a few things, first and foremost. I think it's a question of focus, and I think it's a it's a it's an oversimplification of things as well, you know, to be to be blunt. That, you know, for people who have significant traumas in their life, by and large, you, you know who you are. You know, if you've if you if you've been victims of, of abuse of some form or fashion, most of the times you remember those things. And when you don't remember them, you don't remember them out of a, out of self protective reasons. And so to say that we all have some wound or some some thing back there that we have to go uncovering. Um, I, I'm not sure if that is just proper anthropology or, or even just a good working theory for psychological mm. distress. Okay. So let me just say that. Um, I think there's other models of psychological theory that are a little more robust, a little more nuanced and, and offer a little more context, you know, to it. But the second piece is that, as you were saying that if, if we hold even the tragedies of our lives in the context of the larger narrative, if we hold the sufferings of our life within the context of divine divine providence, then we should be able to look at those experiences and navigate through them appropriately to be able to come to the other side of it, you know, to be able to then say, okay, that it's through this process that God that God is genuinely you know guiding me, and so much so that we get to the point, and this is where the real saints are, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm this with every tragedy I've experienced in my life, where you fundamentally wouldn't want anything to be different in your life. Like you get to that point, that's that's complete reconciliation or complete assimilation of the experiences of your life. Was mm. to say that everything was 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 providential, you know? That's mm. that's just nuts, you know. I'm sorry, like to get to that point, yeah. but like that's that's the point that we're trying to that that we all we all have to come to, because if not, we can get um, stuck in the past. 
and stuck in thinking that we can then change the events of the past. And we can't change the events of the past, but we can change mm-hmm. our responses to those events sure. and to the ways that we've learned to think about ourselves in response to those events or the ways that we move in the world or the fears that we have or the sensitivities that we've experienced. Those are the things that we should put our sights on. Because then when we focus on those things, what that means is that we're, again, we're looking at the present and we're moving towards the future as well. Mm. It doesn't mean that we have to ignore the past. I'm not saying we ignore the past. Of course, we got to deal with the past for sure. But I'm saying that we can't let that singular thing, no matter how egregious it might be, to be the only thing that defines us as a person. So so we have to be able to kind of look at it and say, okay, and then we we move beyond it. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes this wounds language, what it does is it's kind of this misappropriation of the ego. It's like it's almost like you have to keep turning inward and inward and inward and inward. Sure. You know, and as if that's where the answer is going to come, and and it's not. At some point, you have to be able to take these experiences and assimilate assimilate them into your current context, and to be able to move forward in life, because that's what the goal of therapy is. And uh, whenever you're praying about these things, well, that's what the goal of prayer is to, anyways, you know, is to move us forward to prepare us for heaven. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's a great way to look at it. It makes me think of the passage from Isaiah, and I, I don't remember if it's Isaiah, uh, well, I won't even say, because I don't remember what it is, but there's a beautiful passage where Isaiah is saying to the Israelites on the behalf of God, you know, that God is first of all saying, I don't, I don't want your sacrifices I don't want your new moon celebrations. I don't want, in other words, you're coming to me in the temple with cultic purity and ritual purity and doing all the sacrifices necessary and saying the right words, but your deeds are corrupt and rotten to the core, um, especially focuses on the fact that the, the rich and the powerful are, are oppressing and exploiting the poor and the needy. And he says, you know, if you give, if you share your bread with the hungry, if you you know, if you set the prisoner free, if you, he lists all these kind of deeds, what we call maybe the corporal works of mercy. Uh, if you do these things, then the light will shine forth for you and your wound will be quickly healed. In other words, that, that, that the, the way that we respond to the injustices that are suffered, uh, to, that, that we suffer or that we uh, suffer under um, is to respond with deeds of virtue with deeds of loving kindness with deeds of mercy with in other words we outward we open outward toward the other uh and 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 that kind of dynamic um of turning outward and seeing that the the solution to my ego's problem which is a real thing um is the way in which i relate to others is how i live in communion with others that becomes integral to the solution and not just a constant refocus internally over and over again on myself to hope hoping that one day I'll think my way into wholeness, that you can only love your way into wholeness. You can only practice virtue uh, as a way into wholeness. That's integrated with the whole kind of introspective work that all of us have to do to come to self-knowledge and understand what what it is we're made of and what kind of things need to be dealt with and and addressed. Um, But they have to be always opened outward toward the other. and, and, and it's so easy to cut ourselves off that way and make the relationship to me and myself or to me and Jesus in isolation. And then once I get that dealt with, then I can begin to love others. Then I can begin to, you know, kind of extend myself out in communion with others. So I guess that I don't know if that's a connected directly to your insight, which was really very insightful for me to listen to. But but I, I think for me, that language 
oftentimes gets caught into a narc kind of an inward turned, as you said, focus that doesn't see this larger picture that that scripture very is very clear uh, on. Yeah, and I think for the people who this language is helpful are the ones who who are capable of of going back, assimilating it, and then moving forward. You know, but sometimes this language that that process isn't um isn't always clear. You know, it's it's. But for people, so people who are capable of being able to do that through natural virtue and natural intuition, that they can go back to the past, deal with it, and then move forward, great. But there are many people that I've encountered over the years that can't do that, and they get stuck in this kind of spiral of just, you know, well, I'll have to find it, and 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 if I found it and it doesn't it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, then I got I got to keep digging because there's got to be another one back there, and I got to keep going, and and then, and then maybe it's not even within myself. Maybe now we just start getting into intergenerational stuff, and then. We get into different things that just kind of start going with respect off the rails a little yeah. bit, you know, Yes. Um, which is just to say, okay, like uh, uh, there's a, there's a timing of healing. And just as we've been saying that there's an order and there's an, or, like an ordering of our lives. And so maybe, maybe that space that you're supposed to touch on is you just touch on it a little bit. And if you find that the fruit is good, that you're able to assimilate it, great. But if it's not producing the fruit that you're supposed to do, then, then let it go. You know, like yeah. stop, stop picking at the scab. You know, it's a mama yeah. always tells. No, and, that's a great point. You know, stop, stop scratching it. You know, you just have to let it go a little bit, let it heal. And, and then you can kind of get back to it maybe at some other point when things are a little bit better for you. And, and I think that holds the tension of what yeah. we've been speaking about, which is that it is okay to bring forth these things to the Lord, we should, we are inclined to, and, and op, not obligated to, but we should in the context of relationship. But we also shouldn't keep digging and getting stuck back there um, in a way that doesn't move us forward, because then the lens and the focus becomes on ourself and, and on our own wound or traumas or whatever, or tragedies, rather than focusing on how God has led us through them um, and how God is guiding us through yeah. them. You know. No, that's 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 really profound. It makes me think uh, of Dr. Peter Kraft in in a, a fine, really fine article I know that I've shared with you on discernment, where he warns against what he calls growing ingrown eyeballs, <laughs> <laughs> because we were so obsessed with understanding ourselves perfectly in our past and coming to terms with everything, that that can be very dangerous. Uh, and 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 not only because it doesn't go anywhere in the end, but it, because it, it begins to isolate us and cut us off from uh, other things, the other things in, in our life that, that are the things that uh, alone can really bring us forward, which is focusing, he says, on love of God and love of neighbor, other people, right? Otherwardness. You've got to have a balance of those. But I want to use, I guess, a, I'll use a story that came to mind, if you don't mind, to yeah, illustrate my own, my own life. Yeah, so this and I don't, I don't know if because I'm just thinking of this now if it's exactly response to your question but I think it does at least for me so um, I've talked before I think even on your show a little bit about my you know my relationship with my dad was a complicated relationship growing up in my home and uh, even as an adult without getting into any particular details but it was it was it was a it was a difficult relationship and there was a lot there um, that I had to come to terms with over years, um, be aware of what effects it had had on me and then how I would come to terms with that and not, not let it dominate my life in a way that didn't allow me to move forward in the ways I had to, to live my life, my vocation, and, and, and you know, all those kind of things. So I know I went through lots of different phases of dealing with it. And there was a whole phase I had of ingrown eyeballs. I mean, I grew, I, I probably spent several years 
nursing the, the, the kind of pain inside of the memories and nurse kind of going over and over and over those again, which, which, which in the end I found was a cul-de-sac. I mean, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and so I entered kind of a, a, di a different phase and my spiritual director that I had for many years, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal man and, and, and wise man uh, who, who, whom I love deeply, um, who was very, very good for me and, and very honest with me. You know, was we were talking about this one time and, and he said, you know, I think I think you've done plenty of examination of your relationship with your dad and the history. I think it's it's time to move on. But I think I think I recommend the time to move on can mean that you approach it in a different way. And that's and that's with with Thanksgiving um, instead of um, examining the sins of the past. You've examined them. You've forgiven them. But now I want you to give thanks for all the good that came through your father in your life. I want you to think about that at great length and I want you to be grateful. And I had really never done that. Um, I would have been so consumed with the negative uh, and coming to terms with it, which was in many ways, you know, necessary just because it was so clear and so in my face. But so he, uh, so he encouraged me to write a litany of Thanksgiving um, that just went through my life and all the things that I was grateful my dad did for me just write them out just as they come. Try to do it chronologically, but whatever comes, comes. And I wrote, I hand wrote it out first and I typed it. I hand wrote maybe, maybe 22 or 23 pages uh, of single line things, of things I remembered. Some of them were just general things. Like I th I'm grateful that you supported us, uh, you know, financially supported us all those years and made all the sacrifices you did to support us to very specific things. I remember the time when I was five years old and you took me out to catch butterflies, even though you had no interest in butterflies, but you took interest in butterflies because I was interested in butterflies and, and, and then everything else in between. And, and I wrote it all out and it was, it was a very kind of tearful experience too. Um, and typed it all out. And then I, I, I shared it with him. I said, I just want you to read it. And he read it and he, you know, we commented, I talked about it. And, and then he said, well, after that, he said, I want to encourage you to consider one more thing. And that's sending it to your father. Wow. And I was like, well, wow, that's a bridge too far, man. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and so it took me a little while, but I did. So I ended up, I sent it to him <laughs> and it was kind of, I was kind of, you know, it was kind of, let's just say it was um, a risk to send it to him because I didn't know exactly what would happen. So I sent it a couple of weeks went by. I didn't hear anything. And, um, and the way my relationship with my dad worked is that, you know, I would call my dad. My dad didn't call me. It was just my, it was just my dad's, this is my, his thing. So one day I'm at home and I'm living in Des Moines, Iowa at the time. And I get a call, my phone and my phone says, you know, dad, I'm like, what? this has got to be bad. You know, <laughs> your dad is calling me. So I answer it and it's he, my dad and he says, Hey kid. He called me kid. He goes, Hey kid, how you doing? I said, okay, dad, how you doing? Yeah, good, good. good. You know, chit chatted. How's the weather? You know, the kids and how's Patty and how's work. And, and then I said, Oh, thanks. Really nice of you to call dad. I, I didn't want to say what in the world, you know, I just, but I said, it's really nice of you to call dad. And he says, um, yeah, I just wanted to tell you something. I just want to tell you that I got your letter. And then there's silence. And I said, okay. And he goes, well, I just want to let you know, I, 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 I read it. And then there was silence. And I said, oh, okay, that, that's great, dad. I'm glad you read it. And then he said, I want to let you know that I, I read it again. Got it about, he said, I got about maybe 4.30 in the afternoon. I read it again. 
and then he paused and he said, and I read it again. And I read it again. And I finished the last time reading it as the sun rose. And he said, I just wanted to tell you that, that's all. And then he, we said, love you, and, and they hung up. And uh, I just sat there, of course, I was in the garage. And I just sat there and I just, I just cried, mm. man, I cried. But it was a whole different kind of cry. Mm. It's a whole different kind of cry. And uh, I realized in that moment, I wouldn't have put it this way, but I realized in that moment, I had just reset our relationship. I just reset the button. Uh, and so let me skip ahead to the end of the story, which is, um, so my dad, quite a number of years later, die, he dies in 2018, he died. Um, and, uh, after he died, when his funeral was coming, the priest who was celebrating his funeral said, um, I wanted to let you know that, um, that your father asked um, that in place of the eulogy that there be a letter read. And he said, I have to get your permission. Because oh, it's your letter. Oh my gosh. Because it's your letter. <laughs> and uh, so, so I realized, what do I realize? I mean, I realized so many things out of that. Um, but I realized what I said at the very beginning of this conversation we've had today, uh, Dr. Mario, which is that all prayer begins with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the foundation of everything. Gratitude is the foundation of everything. Um, and that we have to return there. In order for the good to come out of any evil, we have to return to the good. And there's always good embedded in every evil. It's, it's good. It's there. It may be latent. It may be so hidden. Um, but until we turn to gratitude to find those places where it exists and then allow God to open those up, they're like seeds, like mustard seeds that he planted before we were aware of them. And he's just waiting for us to open them up so he can sprout them. He can water them. He can sprout them and they start to grow. And then in the middle of the dung of the evil is growing this magnificent new tree, this magnificent new life. Um, so it made me realize how much my introspective ingrown eyeball approach to my problems was not allowing that to happen because I wouldn't open up in communion to the, to this case, to, to my father, but, but to the other um, and, 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 uh, and how much that, you know, in the end, I guess I'll end with this is just to say that, right. It's, it's love in the end that heals love heals, not only love received, but love given because love is received only when it's given and when it's given it can only be kept if it's given away and it's received so um so yeah so that's that's i guess that's my my reflection on that healing of wounds wow <laughs> thank you tom uh -huh. yeah thank, thank you. you for letting thank me thank you thank you for your vulnerability and, and sharing that beautiful story which just so i mean wonderfully captures i think what we've been trying to say throughout the whole episode could have just shared that and this would have been a shorter podcast i could have just shared that well i could never get there if you didn't leave me there so that's this is how this works yeah, i know i know i know yeah you're really good at it oh, yeah. thank you i appreciate it but Thanks for the opportunity. just in recapping here you know because I, I know i want to honor your time i know you, you have to get moving on to 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 another meeting here but just for the listener to be able to pay attention to that story and to recognize that 
it's not an ignoring of the past or ignoring of the trauma, but it's a, but it's putting it in there. It's again, at some point, the decision for Thanksgiving has to be made. At some point, the focus has to be shifted. And what that point looks like for every person is different because different people are different levels with regards to feeling safe in the context of the relationship or feeling ready to be able to take that risk. And I understand that, but at some point that has to be made. And when it is made, um, it, it, it is a beautiful thing and doesn't always require a letter to be sent to, to mom no, and dad. Not, not. We're not saying that we're not, we're not, um, you know, or, or sacramentalizing that. I mean, that's like no. ritualizing would be the better word. You know? No, we're not. But, but it was, it was context, for me. It was for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but all of us have to be able to make internally that shift. Um, and when we do that, then that's how this healing prayer uh, kind of happens in, in the appropriate context and in the appropriate sense. So man, Tom, I, Cancel your other meeting. Come on. You just call in sick. Send, send a text. Say, say your throat got sore or something happened, you know, like. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm always happy to be a few minutes late to any meeting, by the way. So I, I always, if I have a, if I have a good reason, I can tell them I don't mind. But, but I, I guess, can I just cap what you just set off? Please. Beautiful, your beautiful fight with just an insight that occurred to me just now which is the mass itself, right? Which is, which is Eucharist, right? Eucharist, which comes from the Greek word, Eucharisto, the noun, Thanksgiving, or Eucharistain, to, to give thanks. Um, that at the center of Christ's giving thanks is his execution, right? He, in other words, the great evil of his own being, being he was wounded for our offenses. Um, but in the midst of that, he gave thanks to the Father. And then he found in that, evil that was going to come on him, all the good that already was impregnated in there that was awaiting to be conceived and gestated and brought forth and birthed uh, by him, but only if he approached it in thanksgiving, only if he approached it in seeing the grace and good already ready there, uh, and then finding the ways that uh, he could release those, and not for himself, but for us, right? That, That his healing in the resurrection was for us, and I think that's important too. I, like I see that my my going through that process with my dad was for my children, so I could be a better dad. Uh, for my wife, so I could be a better husband. For the people I work with at work and the students I teach, that that it's not about me. <laughs> it is about me, but it's only about me in as in as much as it's about thee, right? So so that outward kind of that that that, that movement, that, that Eucharist, Godward, otherward. Uh, it, it, all the mass to me, the mass is the kind of consummate moment where all that comes together. I'll stop there. Yeah. yeah come on, Tom. <laughs> That's it. That come is- on, Tom. <laughs> so good. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I have to exhibit some prudence here and bite my tongue. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I want to honor Thank your you time. Yeah. And uh, just grateful that we could at least scratch the surface on on this conversation and continue, I would say, the discussion that we've been having over the course of many episodes on this show about prayer and its relationship to our mental health and its relationship to our spiritual health and emotional health. And uh, just grateful, Tom, for your friendship and grateful for your insights always. So I'm grateful for the same. Yeah. God bless you. Your Tom. friendship is a huge blessing in my life. Bless you yeah. too. Amen. Blessings to all those who listen. Yeah. Amen. We pray for you, dear listeners, all the time. God bless. All right.
right, everybody. Well, that does it for my discussion on healing prayer with Dr. Tom Meal. We will have him back on the show to talk more about this because I really think we just scratched the surface. We didn't really have a whole lot of time to dive deep into this discussion. There's so much more that I want to say about it. I have links. I will put links, I should say, onto old blog posts that I wrote detailing some of my um, more pointed concerns uh, regarding healing prayer and some of the dangers that I've seen over the years related to it. Didn't get into all of that in this discussion. Like I said, we just really scratched the surface. But I'm eager to hear from you. If you have any questions, if you have any insights or any thoughts about anything that we've shared, or if you read the posts and you have any of these questions about them, then please, please, please find me on the socials. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Direct message me, leave a comment, something, and I'll get to it as soon as I possibly can. So many blessings to all of you. Thank you so much for giving me your time and your attention. It is a great gift to have an audience to be able to share these amazing conversations that I have. I pray that they're blessings to you. And God bless everybody and have a great day. 